You're listening to episode 12 of the Inconvenience Podcast featuring Mark Truman. Welcome to the Inconvenience Podcast. I'm Frank Beard. And I'm Al Bear, the gas station gourmet. And this is an episode that I think everyone's really going to enjoy. So we're with uh, Mark Truman, the Chief Revenue Officer for Edge Petrol. Mark's based out of London. And this conversation's interesting because uh, I guarantee you a couple of these stores that he mentions, you've probably never heard of, and you're going to definitely want to look up. Um, I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, if you hear about any stores and you're like, oh, man, I want to see a picture of that, check out our episode page at inconveniencepodcast.com because I have definitely linked to these so you can see what we're talking about and why you should care. Uh, because, well, I don't know. I showed one of them to my wife the other night and she's like, I got to, I got to go to that. Like we need to go over there. I mean, this place had what, like 81 Slurpees and, uh, like all kinds of nitro ice cream. And it just makes you hungry looking at it. I love that. I love that. I love what they're doing in Europe at sea stores. And I think, you know, we're seeing a little more of that here in America. Yeah. Speaking of which, so like Al, uh, summer's getting closer. What have, what have you been up to lately? Well, you know, <clears throat> I have, uh, you know, I, I go all the places where most people wouldn't stop. This morning, I was in a little town of Washington, Louisiana, population 945, right on I-49. And it's a definite food destination. And I stopped at a place. It's, it's, it's a sitco station. And it's called the Washington Fast Food. And these people are creating amazing food. And I had a couple of things for breakfast. One, I had fried catfish, which was out of this world. And I, I had a chance to chat with a cook. She would not tell me the secret, but it was amazing. But they do great hamburgers there. And, you know, Frank, people are driving 50, 60 miles to this little town to get these people's hamburgers. And this oh. morning they fixed something. Oh, God, it's amazing, Frank. They fixed <laughs> something this morning called a surf and turf. It's a hamburger. They make their patties by hand with grilled shrimp on it. Oh my God. Oh, yum. I mean, what a great combination, a surf and turf hamburger. And so that's kind of what I've been up to. I've been, um, you know, just chatting with a lot of folks that, you know, uh, you know, I did go to uh, handy stop marketing cafe, ate a very healthy Turkey burger. And I got to say, if, if healthy food could taste as good as their Turkey burger, Burglar. It's called the Gobbler. There, that's where Burglar came from. The, oh, yeah. The Gobbler, the Handy Stop Marketing Cafe, incredibly good, well seasoned. Uh, it had no salt in it. They don't use salt over there for anything. And uh, so I've had that. So I did. I think about you when I eat healthy food, Frank, uh, because I know you love that. Uh, and I hope when you eat deep fried food, you think of me. You know, I mean, that's definitely what I do. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's actually really awesome that they're not putting salt in. In their food, because that's a huge pain point for me is like, all right, look, I love putting salt on things. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between what you grind with the salt shaker and what some of these restaurants put on their food. Like yeah. they load them up so badly where it's, it's, it's just not necessary and you don't need all of that. And it'd be really nice if places would try to not do that. Um, 
I don't know. That's just always really frustrated me. But um, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, something I've been hooked on though lately, and I'm sure it's probably not the best for me, but Come and Go's got these new egg bites they released. And it's nothing terribly complex. It's really basic and simple, but that's kind of nice at the same time. It's just these like two little, I don't even know what you'd call them. Um, I guess egg bites, but I guess that's not the most descriptive if you haven't seen them, but they're not very high calorie, uh, you know, low carb, low calorie. They taste great. I think the, I think the egg solution they have, they mix some cottage cheese in there with it. So once it's all like mixed up, it just, I don't know, it changes the flavor, the flavor profile nicely. It's actually impressively good. I'm, I'm really kind of blown away by these. They, I think they hit a home run with those. Um, but I live like a mile from like three of their stores. So it's a good excuse to get out and uh, go for a walk in the morning just so you're not getting up and going straight to a computer chair in your office. And, uh, you know, yeah, go down and get some of those. Is it a solid? Is it solid? Yeah, it's like very soft. It's, um, I don't know how they make them, but like if you were to whisk some eggs and put them in like a little form and cook them and so they're they're all fluffy and it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's actually pretty solid, but but that's nice though. And I like it because um, I feel like breakfast food has like such a lack of innovation behind it. Oh, yeah. Everybody sells the same stuff. Everybody's got the bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, the bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. And yeah, I guess those are good, but come on, like what else can you do? Um, everyone sells that. And if everyone sells it, it's not really unique anymore. So I like how they put these together. Um, I think they hit a home run with them. So hopefully they're selling well. I wonder if they're available down here. Or is it just particular to those stores? I mean, it's just a come and go. I don't think you guys have any around. We don't around. have any down here. Yeah, yeah. there's. I know. I know they're down in Arkansas, but yeah, you guys don't got them yet. So maybe you'll get them before too long. We well, you know what's interesting down here is we have so many independently owned stores, and they're all doing something different. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, if if you find a big chain store, you might find something. Um, you know, similar, but, you know, with, with so many different stores, you know, I got excited yesterday, Frank, because our friends at Bourbon Street Deli have come out with a, an alligator sausage po' boy, you know, <laughs> first they had the alligator burger and then the alligator sausage po' boy. Now, for those of you who don't know, or don't remember, I live in South Louisiana on a river, stereotypical. Uh, I'm not wearing shoes. And we have a lot of gators and, and we, we're on a river. So there's a lot of alligators back there. And we love to eat animals that could eat us if we're not careful. And I tell you what, alligators delicious. I'm so excited about this alligator sausage po' boy. I mean, that's just being prudent. If you get them before they get you, then you don't have to worry oh, yeah. about them. And then we make a nice pair of shoes out of them. You know, you, you got to gotta be resourceful and not be wasteful. So uh, we waste nothing in Cajun country. Yeah. Know? That's but I'm excited about this because I, I like alligator and uh, I wish there was some way I could get this this thing up to you, Frank, because it'd be interesting to see what you think of it. Yeah, we we have a quite a lack of alligators up around here. So, um, yeah. I mean, we do have snakes, but uh, I don't I don't know if we have any alligators outside of the zoo. I don't think um, in Des Moines you have any alligators. That's sad. I, I'm sad for you for that. Well, I mean, we're. We can we can rest easy knowing that our dogs aren't going to walk up to a body of water and disappear. So we do we do have that going for us. That that is not a thing that we worry about up here. But um, yeah, we could use some more Cajun food. Um, I mean, you'll be proud to know that I use the crispy crunchy seasoning on. Oh yay! Just about everything. You're uh, Cajun, love it. Vegetables, fish. It's really good on grilled cod. Um, you really? honestly don't have to do much of anything to it. Rub the cod in a good olive oil and then just 
blast it with that crispy, crunchy seasoning, like make it look like the seasoning, uh, put it in the oven and it comes out absolutely delicious. It is 100% worth it. Yum. I love crispy, crunchy. One of my faves. Well, with that said, um, we're going to get straight into the episode with Mark, but again, please check our episode page because there's a couple stores that he's going to talk about that you're definitely going to going to want to see some photos of uh trust me on this <laughs> these are really cool stores and you're going to want to take a look at this so go to inconveniencepodcast.com and also be sure to hit that subscribe button on itunes or wherever you listen to podcast so mark you told us about a restaurant concept called yo burger and i'd never even heard of this can can you explain to our listeners what this is yeah so um I guess when, when we first started out, um, Gideon, the CEO, and I were driving around the UK, um, meeting single sites, uh, learning about the industry. And we, uh, we went to a site, I think it was in a place called Rotherham, um, which is a, um, a, a low affluent area, let's say, right? Uh, and there was a, a single site owner uh, who we met. I think he might have a, a couple of stations now, uh, a guy called Fuzel Patel. And what what we noticed, the site was being totally redeveloped. And obviously, when you go and see someone, you say, oh, hey, what are you doing here? What are you putting in? And he was like, oh, I'm putting in a burger joint. And we're looking at the area. We're looking at the location. And we're like, hey, I, I, you know, is that this is a funny place for a burger joint, right? Um, on a gas station, um, kind of in, in, in the middle of a, a, a city, but not in like a, an area where, you know, there's, there's plenty of restaurants, so on. And he, what he's done, he's built this. I mean, you can go check it out online. It, he's built this really cool brand, right? And the burgers look, I mean, I haven't tried one because um, obviously we're still in lockdown over here. But I mean, they look absolutely fantastic. The people who have tried them are are, are, are saying they're fantastic. And what, what's really cool is he's he's like building it out as almost like a franchise model. Right. So, you know, he's he's got this concept, you know, and it's for it's a franchise model for gas stations. So the next, you know, the next one, I think, is either open or opening up in a place called Wakefield. Um, and there's if you go to his website, he's got a couple of others that are, that are on the way. Uh, whether this this makes it outside of the gas station industry and, you know, is, is yet to be seen in terms of a high street chain. Um, but he's he's branding it up and really you know, he's, he's, he's doing something very different from, and, and it was one of the first ones that I really noticed over here, like where, where they were trying to build uh, a brand base instead of putting in, you know, your, your Burger King and your, your McDonald's, like, um, you know, like EG group do and, and so on. They rely on those brands, um, you know, as a, as a single site or, or a small retailer, they, they decided to go and do their own thing. And I, I always felt, found that to be really cool and it stuck in my mind and I've, I've watched and followed it, so I, I definitely think he deserves a, a mention today. He's got some really good stuff. I was looking at the uh, the Facebook page. He's got a, a a Belgian chocolate burger, which you know <laughs> I, I don't even know how they do that. I can't. I don't recognize anything uh, on there. Uh, but I mean, it it it's definitely got chocolate. Maybe some onion rings. I'm trying to figure out if they're they're doing onion rings with chocolate. But man, this guy's really thinking outside the box. I mean, really thinking outside the box. Yeah, I, I, I um, there's there's a few burgers on there I probably wouldn't try. I, I, I don't know. That might be one of them. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but but they look pretty good. They look pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at one right now. I think it's on their Instagram page. Um, the bun is almost like a bright pink, almost kind of red. Um, it it looks cool. Um, it's a vegan burger. I don't know what type of patty, but it's got lettuce. It's got tomato. I don't know if that's onion rings on it or some kind of like 
fried pineapple slices. It's hard to tell from the way it's angled. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the fries are sweet potato fries. I love how they put almost like a little flag with their logo on it on a huge toothpick, like straight down the center of the burger. The presentation on this is fantastic. It reminds me of something. I wish I remembered the name. I um, went over to Germany right before COVID hit and remember in one of the malls uh, that I was in there, there was some sort of like high end burger restaurant that that did something similar to this. And it was so much fun to just, I don't know, try a couple things and see what it was like. And to your point, yeah, this is this is cool to see in a convenience store. And it's such like a breath of fresh air from the sites that are just dropping a McDonald's in there or something and or Burger King. It's like, I look, I, I love an egg McMuffin. I think they're delicious, but I don't know. Sometimes you want something a little more interesting. I mean, I, I can get that stuff anywhere. You know, I know here in, in South Louisiana and I don't know how it is in England. And, uh, I mean, burgers draw people love burgers down here. And, uh, you know, the big chains are kind of all the same. What I'm looking at here, he's got, He's got a burger with a purple bun and this is the kind of thing people are going to try. And if it's good, they'll, they'll come back and get it again. But God, he's doing such stuff. That's crazy outside the box. He's got a burger. That's got to be eight inches tall, you know? Um, and, and, you know, I, we have portion control issues here in uh, Louisiana. Mark. I don't know if you have those in, in England, but uh, we tend to be, what's the medical term for that? Uh, fat. And uh, so we, uh, we eat a lot of bad stuff. And these Joe burgers, uh, that's that's just what the cardiologist all, uh, ordered. This looks great. Uh, hey, well, one of one of my colleagues sent me a picture earlier of a uh, of a burger which was the the bun was two toasted cheese sandwiches. Oh, <laughs> wow! Yeah. Oh my god! That's uh, genius. Uh, I'll share that with you guys. Uh, I can't. Uh, I, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and find the uh, the name of the. Of uh, the place he got it from. I mean, he's out in he's out in Long Island, um, so you know it's, it's nothing again that I've been able to try because I'm stuck here in the UK. But um, yeah, there's definitely you can get you can get pretty inventive with food these days, and people are kind of more more willing to to try things, uh, which is pretty cool. Mark in the UK, are people uh, here in 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 America? And I know Frank hears this all the time. You hear people say, "I just don't think." I want to eat gas station food. I don't trust it. What's the attitude uh, in England about gas station food? Well, it's it's changing. I mean, um, I mean, it's changing. It's it's probably changing in a similar way to the way it's changing in in the states. Like what 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 started to happen was, um, so we have we have something here called Greg's. Um, you guys, I don't think will know it, but it's I'd say it's similar to a Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, it's trying to appeal to that kind of. Um, that, that that kind of customer um and then and so they started appearing on the four courts like euro garages who picked up cumberland farms turkey hill and so on um they they were some of the first to start putting things like burger king and it i think it, i think you go through a cycle right you, you start off with okay what what kind of food can we put on a forecourt right what type of food works is it burgers is it pizzas is it you know healthy food salads and you talk you know we, we were talking before the, the the podcast about ireland and you can go and get like a, a proper salad right you know in in a in a gas station in in ireland but um i i think the attitude that that began to change as we started seeing the subways the burger kings and so on pop up on the forecourts um and over over time i think that's now starting to that those brands have given the consumers some trust to, to actually go and say actually you know you can eat at gas stations like you know okay i, I i'm not necessarily going to go out my way to find a gas station with a burger king maybe but you know something like yo burger or i, I know i was speaking to um 
actually somebody who knows the guy from Yo Burger and he he went to see if he wanted to put it in at his his new station. And he was saying he he had the option to go and put a Domino's on on his new station. Um, but he actually chose a company called Caprino's, which is, uh, I mean, it's a pizza joint. Pizza is pizza, right? Um, it, well, that, that's not true at all, by the way. <laughs> but, but you know, you, you know what, you know what you're going to get in terms of draw from customer when you put pizza on on a site. Um, and and his feeling was, you know, the margin is, isn't there with Domino's, and you know that the customers are bored of Domino's, and I want to try something different. And this this brand, similar to, to Yo Burger, it's it's clean, it's it's you know, it's on social, it's trying to do things, uh, and I think. I think now, especially with the younger consumers starting to, you know, the, the new generation of drivers coming onto the road, you know, it's it's the brand name is it's probably less attractive almost, right? Uh for, for somebody who's trying to do it. So I think we're we're in a similar stage as you guys are, um, in terms of how we're how we're viewing food. Um, I know that 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 I eat at gas stations. I didn't have a choice when I was driving around the country, but um, I mean, I, I'm I'm a, I'm what's the medical term for it? Fat, uh, right? Fat. <laughs> yeah, fat. Um, so I'm I'm a big guy myself, right? I'm a bit of a foodie too, so uh, I'm very appreciative that uh, that they're starting to divert, diversify because I've had way too many whoppers driving yeah. around the the country, right? <laughs> Right. You know, it's it's interesting, the point about Domino's, though, because I think you're right. Like, I think what Domino's does well and probably better than just about anybody is they made a solidly reliable pizza and then they build the delivery infrastructure around it. Um, you know, it's funny, like we're in an industry where it's it's considered innovative to do curbside ordering for pizza right now. I mean, Domino's had an app out doing this kind of stuff like about a decade, almost a decade ago. Um, they're so far ahead of the curve on just about everything. I remember... Um, at one point, I think it was, you could either text them or tweet them with like one word. And if you had it set up, it would like trigger an order and it was some gimmicky thing they were doing. But, um, I mean, that's, that's their, their whole value proposition. I think it's like, it's 10 o'clock, uh, it's Friday night. I want some pizza. Who can I rely on to just bring this to me? And you know, Domino's is going to have your back, but to go into a convenience store and get pizza. I, yeah, I think they're right. I, I think if you want someone to drive to the store, you need to have something a little bit more interesting, which kind of brings me to this. You know, you had sent me this email uh, for a slushy place in Glasgow called Tubies. And I mean, I don't know if this is in a convenience store. And I, I'm looking at it like their website right now. This place is incredible. First off, the interior looks like um, one of the like streamers on Twitch. Uh, designed it because it's just littered with like purple and blue neon lights and it's it's got a really cool vibe to it um i you know 7-eleven would have a heart attack if they saw how many slushies are in this place this is incredible they've got nitro ice cream which i love uh, my wife and i encountered nitro ice cream when we were in anaheim california a few years ago a place called nitro lotto puts a churro on top of nitro ice cream and uh which is to die for, by the way. It's horrible for you, but it's amazing. But this place looks incredible. Uh, tubies, what or tubbies? What is this? Um, yeah. So it, it was when when I went to meet them. They were again. I I, I actually haven't had the luxury of actually seeing these with my own eyes uh, because this is because because we're a little bit behind somewhere like, for example, Ireland. 
um you know we 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 were in when we were still able to go out and visit customers which was over a year ago now um they were still kind of in development stage of these these things i think yoberger had just launched and i hadn't been able to get up there and um but this was something i saw when it was in its development stage and i was listening to to the owner uh, shamley talk about her vision for for the business and there it's it's a really interesting site because or you know the, the store itself it's uh I, it, I, I don't know it's still bp branded but it was bp branded store right opposite a huge stadium one of the biggest in in the whole of the united kingdom right um glasgow rangers which not too many listeners of this podcast will know but they're highly decorated uh soccer team um i'm really i'm really uh letting anyone from the uk down by using the term soccer but for the benefit of the audience i'm going to do that um and and so that you know on on, on match day that they're, they're pretty much you know closing down the forecourt and and really focusing on the shop and you know the rest of the week it's like well how do we drive volume the rest of the week how do we get people to come from outside of of this this uh, location which is very much based around this this stadium and these sixty thousand people who come here all the time um and the timing couldn't be better because obviously those stadiums are empty at the moment um they they decided that they were going to expand the shop and put a dessert bar uh, behind it and they had already had when i got there they had already had the slushy part there and it was kind of 42 flavors of slushy it's now i think 81 i think they have i don't know how they found <laughs> another 40 flavors of slushy because i mean I, they, they were handing them out to me as well while I was, I was having like cola cubes and you know like all of these crazy flavors so they've, they've somehow found another 40 um but it's it's amazing because people will come from and, and you know this is even before they developed the dessert lab and it was just the slushies she was telling me that people will come from all over scotland right just just to you know see the slushy haven <laughs> and um, I, at the time, I don't think it had the brand name and everything that that they've really done a great job of putting around it now. But, but it, it's it's really clever because if you're driving 40 miles in and 40 miles out to this place, hey, you're probably going to need some fuel as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they're, they're, so they, they price competitively on the pole sign. They're bringing people in for the high margin slushies, right? Um, and it's um, it's probably one of the best things or the most unique stations that i've been to um and i i didn't even see the finished article um but certainly one of the most unique ones that i've seen in the uk for sure i mean i'm looking at this on google maps right now and you're right it's all right it's got a bp fuel canopy and we'll folks we'll link to this on our episode page so be sure to check this out but um look it's it's, it's got a bp canopy it's got eight fueling locations you know this is a pretty common type of setup here um i mean you got some a small convenience store you've got some signs outside for vape pods cost of coffee like this looks like a run-of-the-mill convenience store and then you've got this banner on the side with some outdoor seating that says 60 flavors of slushy this was just from september 2020 I, i'm sure it's updated by now but it's uh that's when the google street view drove by but this this is cool like that's really unique and, and look there dessert someone's really thinking they've got something called a uh, a nutella strawberry crepe and of course, as we all know, Nutella is really good for you. So that's like a health <laughs> food. And then they've got like what I, what I think are fudge puppies, which are some kind of pastry on a stick. Oh, my God. I got to get there. Uh, this is unbelievable. Oh, man. This is a great place. This is, a. I mean, you really, somebody like me could spend days there, you know, and, and someone's really clever. Someone's really creative when it comes to thinking of this stuff. I mean, um, 
I mean, have, Frank, have you had a chance to look at some of the picture of the decadent food there? Oh, I'm on their Instagram account right now. And first off, like if anyone from this place listens to us, whoever is taking your photos needs a raise because oh, that is yeah. that is some incredible product photography. Um, like, wow, this looks good. This looks so good. I love the color schemes. I love the bright colors. This place just looks like fun. This looks like the kind of thing that you'd see like some random business insider articles like, oh my God, you guys, look what we found. And then they film a video or show a bunch of photos and it blows up online. Um, oh my in fact, that's how, we found that's how we found Nitro Lotto in uh, um, Anaheim. I'm pretty sure Business Insider had done a video. It was either them or Delish. I think it was Business Insider. And, you know, you see a churro sitting on top of Nitro ice cream and you know, it looks like a little, like a geyser, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so when we went to Anaheim, uh, we took an Uber one of the nights after Disneyland and my wife and I were like, we are definitely going to this place and we are going to stuff our face with churros and nitro ice cream. Um, yeah, no, this is like that level of, of quality. This is cool. Oh, you know, incredible. the thing this makes you think of too. So, um, one of our past podcast guests, uh, Brandon Lawrence, he was in a article in Seasore Decisions recently talking about the fuel outlook and, his quote um, was essentially this. He said, the biggest shift we've seen, uh, I think it was looking over this past year, is that volume is no longer king. The pandemic showed that a strong inside offer can be a lot more resilient. And that's this is the kind of stuff I think of when I hear that. It's like, all right, regardless of what happens with fuel demand, what regardless of what happens with volume, like this kind of thing is going to draw people and it's going to be effective at drawing people. Like this is just cool. Um, and you know, that kind of gets to something, Mark, I think you had said recently when we were talking, I think you said, you know, retailers need to sit somewhere in the middle. You know, there's a lot of people that are only focused on food and a lot of people that are just completely fuel forward in their focus. But, you know, you, you need to have kind of a middle ground approach. What I'm curious, what did, what did you mean when you said that? Well, I mean, if you, I was, I mean, I listened to your, to, to, to the podcast with Brandon and I think he was talking about not, not just the fact that volumes are declining and we obviously know that they have because of COVID, but, um, you know, th this, this was something that was going to happen to the industry either way. It's one of the reasons that the industry has been so resilient to this pandemic is because people had already started thinking about this, right? Um, they'd kind of safeguarded it with their shop offerings and shopping expansions like as as i mean i know certainly in the uk as, as as gas station values went up you know they took that money they reinvested in their shops um and there's been a lot of focus on the food side already right whereas before the these these companies might have been 80 percent fuel before the pandemic hit i guess they were at 60 percent full fuel or 50 percent fuel um and one one of the things brandon talked about on your last podcast is that speed of decline and i think that's that's the unknown part Right, we we know that that EV is coming. We know that consumer habits are changing. We know that people care less about the price of the pole sign and more about in in, in the in store offering. Right, we know that Nax did a study on on that exact thing um, in their consumer survey over the last five years, where I think five years ago. Uh, 70, and, and I might not have my numbers 100% correct here, but 72% of uh, consumers were using the poll sign as the dominant factor as to where they filled up. Now it's down to 52%, right, in, in 2020 or from their 2020 report. And that's um, that's a significant change in and, and shift in consumer habits, right? Um, and it's not pandemic-based because the year before it was actually 51%. So it, it it's something which is, you know, you again, we mentioned earlier about... You you know the, the the average age or the the um you know new people are coming on to to the forecourts who haven't driven before that are growing up on the internet right and 
fuel is is a byproduct for them you know it's 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 kind of something that they need to get around but it's it's maybe not something that's going to get them excited i mean when i started driving like it was all about the fuel i you know i went to i i loved going to my first my first fill up was like a proud moment for me because it took me five attempts to pass my driving test right um, a little bit famous amongst my friends for not being able to drive properly uh, but so and then i lost that license pretty quick as well but we won't go into that um, but um, so filling up but you know that was a big deal but now now it's it's not about that right it's 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 um you know, you're, you're, the customer is expecting convenience and convenience is key. And, and I know we talk about the C-store, convenience store industry, it's in the name, right? Um, but, you know, the, the big supermarkets and so on, they're, they're going to be there. They're always going to be doing their thing. Um, over here, we have around 40%, I think, of fuel volumes are going to those supermarkets. And in the past, you know, that that pole sign was used to get people into the store, into the big store. And I think they, they kind of disproved it a little bit. A couple of them still believe it. And they also have policies where they want to be fair on on price to their customers and so on. So you're looking at kind of the, six, the other 60% of the market here, you know, which is the your independents, your, you know, one to a hundred station companies, I guess, um, who don't have this huge buying power that, uh, and, and, uh, Asda, which has just been bought by EG group might have as an example. Right. Um, and I think you're looking at that, you're looking at that market consolidation and we don't know, you know, we, we, unless you're a, a, a GPM, a Cushitard, uh, you know, what, EG group themselves, right. You're at a disadvantage when it comes to buying power, right. Particularly on fuel right you're you don't have the trucks maybe you know you're you're taking dealer margins potentially like it's uh, uh sorry dealer cost prices where there's a margin added on by a jobber and so there are some real challenges facing your small to medium retailer and um you've got you've got to look up you've got to look at it as a retail hub right that's a word that gets that's, that's a phrase that i'm hearing getting thrown around a lot and if you can really do that and you can figure out right who is my customer base for this and, and you've got to go store by store because they they all have unless you're going to pull out like a, a Wawa, whereby you're going to have that consistent brand, that consistent of those hoagies, right? That consistent offering, um, you know, you're you're really going to have to think on a store by store level. What do I want my flag to be? Why do I want that flag? What do I want to put inside the store? What who do I want to partner with? What partnerships do I need to look at? Um, and if if you if you can get that balance right. Uh, between food and fuel like that will determine what what margin you can make on your fuel pricing but also what you're gonna you know how you draw people in and the reasons they visit your forecourt and i think that's that last piece is the most imperative right if you know why people come to your forecourt right or why they don't yeah that puts you in a great position to know where to make your capex investments or even even making investments on your by by reducing your fuel price let's say if you were that way inclined well, and you bring up a good point about the consolidators too, because, you know, I hear a lot of people that I think, well, let me put it this way. I think some of the smaller operators sometimes feel like they don't have advantages over these big consolidators. And I don't know, I guess I just, maybe I don't see it that way. It's like, I'm not going to say what brand this is, but, um, there's a particular brand. My wife and I love just pulling up Google maps reviews and random cities where they're at and just laughing for hours reading these things. I, I mean, because they're, they're straight up terrible. You'll have sites that are, I saw a site the other day that was rated 1.7 out of five on Google maps. Like that's impressive that it's that low. 
that's so bad. Like it's, it's hard to get a 1.7 on Google maps. Like I'm looking at this review right now. I was just dying reading this the other night. This person said, just trying, just tried to shop here, but there was a sign on the door saying bathroom break, be back soon. According to the other customers waiting, it had been there for 20 minutes. We could see the worker stocking the shelves and she waved away when we knocked. During the 10 minutes I was at this location, I saw 20 people drive away. <laughs> you know, and I just love this idea of like, all right, it's a 24-hour convenience store. They're supposed to be open. You're knocking on the door. Hey, and the employees is waving at you, and it's locked. Um, that's not a one-off review. I've seen, I've seen probably 50 or more of those things telling that same story in different markets. And that's the thing. These smaller operators, though they can have a higher quality customer experience. They can, they can have a store that's more tailored to their communities. They, they can prioritize, uh, being a good place to visit in a way that some of these bigger guys really struggle as they scale their business. Um, I don't know. That's the way I look at it. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just see, I see that mistake being made a lot by some of the larger guys. I think, I think like it, you have to, you have to ask yourself why that's the case. You know, I, I, you go back and you think, how many people in this industry do you know that are like me that have only been in it for three or four years? Like, how, how many, how many people are like that? It's, it's really, it's very few, right? Most gas station owners, they've been doing this for 20, 30, 40. I, I mean, Huff Petroleum, right? Which is one, one of our customers out of New Jersey. They, they don't operate the shops, but, um, you know, they're a jobber. They, they, they set, you know, they set the fuel price at a number of stations and so on, but they, you know, they're, they're a fourth generation business, 75 years they've been going. I think last year was their 75th anniversary. So these are really, uh, you know, the majority outside of these big kind of P-backed firms, right? You've got these family-owned businesses who are passing down, this is how you do it, right? Generation to generation to generation. And, you know, the market's changed a bit. And obviously, you know, smart, you know, so there are smart retailers out there, you know, like, like half. And I, again, I know, I, I know he doesn't actually operate his, his shops, but you know, where, where the younger generations are picking it up and they're, they're kind of coming in and they're, they're changing things. Right. And they're, they're making these, these cool decisions and they want to do more and they want to use more software and they want to analyze their sites more and, and so on. But you've also got on the other side, I guess, uh, a little bit of, well, if it ain't broken, then why am I fixing it? You know, um, and I, I think that that's uh, it, it's it's something which is quite common in the industry. Like, you know, I've I've come across it a lot. And I think that's one of the things when we're obviously, you know, we're as a pricing software, we're we're talking to these, you know, everyone's making a margin, right? They're making enough margin to run their stations like, you know, it's very difficult to help somebody who who is running a good business understand that they have a problem now. As to your example, Frank, I think we could probably give some pretty straightforward advice to, to that person um, who's running the, the store with the 1.7 Google review where they, they don't even let people come in and buy stuff. Um, that would probably be the first bit I'd, I'd recommend to them. But I, I, th I think we've got to really get understand as an industry that there is a problem here. You know that if you, you know, people are moving on and they are investing in new things and they are trying new things and there isn't going to be enough volume to go around for everybody to stay in business in 10, 15 years time. Right. And um, one of the retailers I spoke to yesterday said to me, you know, I, I had a choice, which is either get out or get in. He's been doing this for 40 years. He said, get out or get in. And I was like, what do you mean? You've been in for 40 years. He's like, no, no, I, I've, I've been doing this for 40 years. I mean, get in means I'm going to start investing. I'm going to start growing. You know, you've got to jump on that bandwagon, right? Where I, I need to redevelop my site. I've, I've got to make an investment or, hey, you know, I can sell this business and, and 
someone will come pick it up. Wawa will come buy it off me and they'll buy the acre next door as well. And, you know, they'll, they'll stick some hoagies here. Right. Um, and that's, that's really, um, I think that's really a decision a lot of retailers are going to have to make in the next two or three years and why we're seeing so much market consolidation. Um, because, you know, it's either you've got to stick some money into these businesses and, and start thinking a bit outside the box or, you, you know, they're starting to realize, I think, that they could get left behind. Uh, and that's why we see so much variation that you guys are talking about every every, every time we do you do one of the podcasts. Well, you know, you guys will find this interesting. Both of you, I was talking with this retailer the other day and um, they're kind of a new company. I'm going to write something about them here pretty soon. But they uh, their whole strategy is really going around and buying these just undervalued assets that have been run into the ground and, um, you know, revitalizing them and putting a new brand on them, which is smart because there's there's still a lot of that out there. And uh, one of the things he was telling me is he kind of looks at it this way. He's like, because I was like, all right, in your opinion, like, why don't some of these folks get it? Like, why why do they just run their sites into the ground like this? And he said, sometimes he's, he's like, I don't know if they fully understand that it's happening until it happens because they get this basically this negative feedback loop where, you know, you stop investing in your store, you start cutting corners, you start running some of your customers off as a result when they see that filthy restroom or, you know, the store that's not open uh, when it's supposed to be open because someone's just laughing and waving at them through the window. Um, and that drives your customers away. So suddenly you get to a point where you're like, wow, I, I need to step my game up and invest in my stores. But you're so far gone at that point that you can't justify the expense of it. You know, the ROI is not there and really kind of creates a situation where maybe your brand itself is even the liability. You know, I, I think sometimes, you know, you look at some of these department stores, even uh, to look at another retail channel, these failing department stores. And it's like, all right. Um, I mean, really at this point, what is Sears and Kmart really going to do? Like those brands themselves are liabilities. Like no one associates those with quality. Um, I mean, I haven't for like 20 or 30 years, so, um, <laughs> it's, uh, they've just done such a bad job for such a long time. Like if they put some money into it, like who's honestly going to believe them at that point? It's, it's a, it's a weird situation, but Al, like we've run into this on those road trips we've done where oh God, I, yeah. re I remember distinctively, we went in that one place that had awesome barbecue. So like Mark, <laughs> this place had their own proprietary rubs, sauces. They built a custom smoker in the store. They had like four locations and this stuff was really good, but we went in the, the restrooms and they were straight up disaster and, and we couldn't figure out how can they invest so much in doing their food so right, but then they just completely leave these restrooms in a condition where you're like, I don't ever want to go back to that. You know what I wonder? I had this thought. I kind of wonder, it could be a guy thing. I mean, stop and think about it. You know, most of these places are run by men. Look, I don't know about you, Mark, and how it is in England, but here in South Louisiana, a tree works, okay? I mean, just <laughs> that's fine uh, for most of us. And and I know in a lot of places in America, a tree is just fine. Um, and I kind of wonder if it's not a guy thing, because I was having a conversation yesterday at a place called Crazy About Crawfish, and, and we had the restroom talk, because they're not a sea store, but they're about a half mile from the interstate. So they get a lot of interstate traffic. And I was talking about restrooms, how restrooms can be a draw. <clears throat> a lady and her husband own it, young couple. And I mean, she got the whole restroom thing. She just totally got it. And um, it hit me. Women get it. But you, know, you got some guy running a C-store in Mississippi with great barbecue, 
Because Frank in America, what do we love? We love barbecue. We love making our own rub. I don't know if it's like, I don't know if you guys barbecue in England. I don't get out of the country very much, Mark. And so uh, I, I, I can't help but wonder if the majority of sea stores were owned by women, if we'd have amazing bathrooms, you know, in these places, <laughs> because they're, they're the ones who care, you know, men, we want a great rub on the barbecue, but you know, Hey, there's a big tree back there. Yeah. yeah I mean, a, a, a tree would do for me, I suppose. <laughs> I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I mean, we talk, you, you talk about um, women in fuel and the first uh, one that comes to my mind is, is Stephanie Stuckey. And some oh, of the, yeah. the really cool stuff that, that I've seen her putting out. I mean, my team are always going on. Um, we actually had um, one of our SDR sales development reps uh, actually put, you know, cooked up some of the recipes she was posting online, um, sent like a video to her of like of eating it. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously try, trying to engage, you know, new, we're new to the, the, the US market, right? So we're, we're trying to engage everybody in any way we can. And I mean, he, he also just wanted to eat the uh, these, these pecan um I think they're like pecan brownies or something like that. Um, pecan rolls. Pecan rolls. rolls. Okay. Man, they've been there around. They've been yeah. around for fifty years. I can't believe they brought those things back. I had yeah, no, I, I, ages, I, and they look the I same. Mean, by the way, I, I've, I've, I mean, I can't again. I, it's, it's annoying being stuck over here because otherwise I would experience after stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching uh, Stephanie go around the country. You know, I'm following her on LinkedIn, looking at what she's doing, going from site to site around the country, and it, it reminds me a little bit of. Um, there's a guy here called Gerald Ronson. Um, so he works for a company, uh, or he doesn't work for a company, he owns a company called Rontec. Um, he's very well known in the UK as a British businessman. And he, um, every every Saturday, he goes to uh, 20, I, I mean, I think he's, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to do him wrong here, right? I don't know him personally, but I think he's around eighty, right? I think, I think he's he's heading up towards eighty, if not older than eighty. And every Saturday, he jumps. I think on his private jet, right? You know, it's it's he's he's been very successful here, and he's got his own shop brand as well. Um, and he, yeah, he's and I, but he is he he can't stop. Saturday morning, he's jetting off to um you know to to Cardiff, let's say in Wales, right? Which is like a twenty five minute uh, plane journey, and he visits twenty stores throughout the day. And every store he's going into is making sure the donuts are fresh, you know, the newspapers are stacked properly, um, you know, is 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 going and checking out his his stores. He owns two hundred and forty, so he does, you know, every week or every other week he's going around the country and doing this, and it's it's great to see that. I, I see Stephanie doing that. I can't imagine like I, I I don't know, maybe it is a gender thing. I, I wonder what some of the Stucky store bathrooms look like, um, or certainly the ones that Stephanie's been to in the last kind of six months, right? Um, so I would maybe love to know make a difference. what happened with Stuckey's because uh, traveling around the South for years, you know, uh, going to Stuckey's was a big thing. It was the only thing on the interstate besides, you know, truck stops. And then all of a sudden, all the Stuckey's were closed. And and I think particularly in Texas, passing by all the abandoned Stuckey's. And then all of a sudden, one day, Stephanie uh, pops up on my uh, LinkedIn and I'm going, oh, wow. You know, they're breathing some new life into these things. And then when you mentioned the pecan roll, I, I went there and went, oh, my God, they brought the pecan roll back. That was huge. It was such a, a, a huge deal when I was a kid. And so I, I, I'd love to know the backstory on that. What I, I guess they maybe not all of them closed or maybe they're breathing. They've got their, you know, uh, got some new capital. They're going to be new life into this. But there's she's doing a lot of stuff. Mark, you're absolutely right. And uh, that's it used to be a place you would go and buy. You could buy gifts at Stucky's. They sold everything there. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, like actual food, if they had a food program, 
but it was like a lot of uh, pre-wrapped things, you know, the pecan rolls, candy, lots of candy and lots of weird little kid toys. Uh, but man, if they're bringing food in, that, that could be kind of interesting. You know, this reminds me, I got in a conversation with someone recently, we were talking about road trip destinations and, um, you know, road trip gifts and merch and all that. And so retailer is catching up with yesterday. And she was pointing out something I think we've probably all felt that I think a mistake a lot of places make is they all sell the same stuff. Like, they they source the same things. They just source some low quality uh, stuff that they can slap their logo on and go with it. And what I like seeing from the Stuckey's approach is everything seems to be different. It seems to be very unique, um, you know, and that's the kind of stuff that people want to buy. I feel like like I, you know, <laughs> wife and I got into this thing last year where um, we were driving through South Dakota and, um, you know, we had to cancel our honeymoon to Japan and we wanted to do something. So we rented a cabin in the Black Hills National Forest place with like middle of nowhere with a hot tub and no one around, which is pretty cool. So we're, you know, we're driving out there in South Dakota when you're going from uh, east to west across the state is basically one gigantic billboard for wall drug. Um Seriously, it's like a billboard. Like sometimes you'll see three, like just in just in your view. It's it's nonstop for miles and miles and miles. So I mean, there's been a lot of buildup and anticipation about how cool this place is going to be, and we got there, and they it was cool, and I'd go back, but I felt like there was a lot missing. I felt like I saw a lot of things that I could get at other places. Now the things that were unique, I bought. I got the uh jackalope Christmas ornament because who, <laughs> you know, you gotta love rabbits with deer antlers sticking out of their head. Um it's uh I real I kinda wanted the jackalope wall mount, but it was a little overpriced. I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, but I want this. And uh, you know, we bought a puzzle with Smokey the Bear on it uh, to put together. You know, some some unique things that were kind of just wall drug specific. But um, you know, a lot of places I, I feel like just sell the same, the same merch. And that always frustrates me. I mean, honestly, I think that's why Bucky's does so well. Cause you go in Bucky's and there's some stuff you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, speaking from experience, cause I can't get out of that store for under, under 150 bucks. Uh, it's terrible, but what they do works. Yeah. I mean, Bucky, I was literally about to say, yeah, Bucky's. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> uh, so I've, um, I, I used to, I used to spend a lot of time in Texas in, in previous, in a previous life. Like I've always been in, in oil, um, or energy of some kind. And, um, when I, you know, but I haven't really let ever left Houston when I've been in Texas. So when we drove from Austin to Houston after Sigma a couple of years back, um, my, uh, my colleague, um, uh was saying to me hey you gotta you gotta check out this place bucky's right you know it's it's amazing it's 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 like this incredible gas station and like you know i, I over here in the uk it's like you get some nice gas stations but no one you know to describe a gas station as incredible um is is unique so i was like okay let, let, let's go check it out um i got there and like it was like four it's a 40 minute drive from one end of the the, the station to the other Right. First of all, mm -hmm. I think they had we we drove along and we've actually videoed it. It's on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll send you the, the the link, Frank. Driving <laughs> from one end of this station to the other, counting the pumps like one, two, three. It's like 148 of those. And then I get into the store and it's like Disneyland. I mean, like you know, how can you not come out of there without buying some merch, right? So I've got I've got Bucky socks. 
right? I've got, I bought a Bucky Beaver for both my kids. Gideon, the CEO, he bought some Bucky pajamas for his children, right? And I mean, we're, we're in the UK. Nobody knows what Bucky's is. I was thinking I could get a hat and it would look cool. And they'd be like, hey, what, what, uh, what sports team is that? Is the kind of question you get. Uh, like, I, 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 I Huff have some cool merch. I wear their hat. And um, people always say to me, what team's that? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's Huff, you know? You know Huff, right? And they're like, no, uh, you know, I, I've never heard of that team. So getting that merch right, I think I think what what we're talking about here, and we're talking about about Stephanie, we're talking about uh, Bucky's, and the one you were talking about before, Frank. I think it's about becoming iconic, right? Like how can you how can you become iconic? And it's that's I think it's that combination of having that that differentiator turning it into a brand right i mean can you say can you honestly say like i'm doing this different like have i just bought something and stuck my name on it or am i actually doing this differently i think that's key and then having someone to actually front that and be a face for that 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 brand and that business the way that stephanie's doing at the moment that's massive i i I look there's there's a single site here that we've got in england um they signed up with us literally a couple of weeks ago. I, I personally haven't spoken to them, uh, but Joe Colburn, our, uh, our, our, um, our customer success manager for that, that customer. And, and actually Julian, Julian, uh, who is the account executive who sold to, to the customer, um, both got in touch with me to tell me about this store because they're, they're an award-winning forecourt as the, the best community store. So they've, they've won best off license, best store manager at the forecourt awards, which is like the big thing in the UK. Um, and they've built this like wooden hut outside their shop where they sell like organic milk and they sell organic butter and yogurt and ice cream for all the local farmers. And it's been a massive hit. Um, and then what he's doing as well is, 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 is using social media, right? And this, this is, this is a big deal, right? Social is a massive part of this. You know, how do I know about stuff? I'm in the U- I'm in the UK, London, and I'm, I'm following Stephanie around the country right i think that's i I don't know stephanie so you know and i'm not really one of those those kind of um social media crazed people so you know and they're very proactive like they're promoting events and special occasions and sales and mother's day offerings and then you know um a, a like specific recipes you know the same way that 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 stuckies are at the moment um and then you know when they hire new employees they're they're posting them on social media talking about who works there giving it a backstory and it's becoming a bit of an iconic station is what this is what one site right mm-hmm. and it's it's like everything i can possibly do you know to make this station iconic i'm doing it you know and that's i i, I really like that you know it really it, it hit home with me and i again we go back to we spoke earlier about babir at fav trip who we've, we've always got to give a shout, shout out to for the um for the fav trip channel and then obviously gas station encounters right and you know, it's 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 becoming iconic, and you were like, "Yeah, hey, I would, I'd be putting on that merch." You know, I'd wear oh, five trips. Yeah. You know, how how do you do that? And that, that's I, I I don't know if you guys have come across any any other examples in the US where where there's, I guess I guess Wawa sort of has that. You know, um, it has a little bit of that that cult following. Um, whether the brand's quite quite where it could, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd wear a Wawa shirt, but maybe people do um what what are what are the best examples outside of the ones we've mentioned in the states you know i'll just share a couple real quick and um you know one thing i'll i'll say real quick is i know al's got a couple of these too is um i just think a lot of brands the larger brands especially um I think they think their brand is more valuable or more meaningful than it really is i see a lot of big ones where they where they think um 
I'm trying to think of the easiest way to say this. It's like, I'm sure somewhere at Sears, there's someone who still thinks America shops at Sears. You know, sometimes when you're in that (laughs) sort of corporate feedback loop where you constantly hear how great and how iconic your company is, you start to build this image about it that may be completely disconnected from reality. Um, And you see a lot of large companies where they think their brand is their new logo or they, uh, they just don't quite get it. But then you look at some of these smaller operators and, um, you know, they just build these, these almost fanatical local followings. And it's just, it's just incredible to watch. Um, now there's some big ones that do it too, but when I think of a small brand that does this right, uh, one of my favorite convenience stores is the 36 Lynn refuel station in Minneapolis. I was just up there a couple weeks ago. Um, so it's a buddy of mine that owns it. And I just love what he's done at this station. Um, you feel some soul when you walk in the door, like it feels different. There's something different about this place. Um, it's not a big store. I think it's around 800 square feet, but I'm telling you every time I go there, there are different products for sale. And I love that discovery element because most of the products are are locally produced. So I find things coming up from Iowa that are made in Minnesota that I've never seen before. So I just buy a ton of them because I can't wait to try all these. Um, I was there last time we got some really good, like, uh, um, got some carne asada seasoning, um, got a bunch of others, like bought some great coffee. They pay their employees very well compared to their competitors. Um, that was something that was big to them. The moment, uh, you know, from the get go, it's just, the store feels different. It's so unique. And, um, I remember we were in South Dakota when the protests slash riots were happening in Minneapolis and his area, we were worried that his store might get looted. So my wife and I are looking on a Google Maps overlay that showed uh, where all the break-ins were and hoping it wasn't around his store. And um, I found out that some some local customers literally brought lawn chairs out and put a perimeter around this store to make sure no one messed with it. And I'm like, and it's just, I'm looking at this picture and this is like this very diverse group of local people that are guarding this store because they're worried someone's going to break their store. And they don't want their store to be vandalized. And I'm like, if that is like, that's one of the best endorsements I think I've ever seen about oh, a store. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it was just really cool to see. But um, yeah, they do a good job. Like I would buy merch from there. Um, another one that really resonated with me in uh, Australia, it's called Jack & Co. Um, Nick Mollis, one of our podcast guests, took me over to this store. And um, it's outside of Sydney. And it felt different when he walked in the front door. Like it felt like, this is a unique place. There's a couple locals hanging out. They were doing a fundraiser for a kid who was a local rugby player who became severely injured and um, needed some extra medical equipment in their home for him to be able to, to get around the house. Um, so Jack and Co's raising money for this kid. Like you spend like five bucks, you get a little card where you write a message to the family that has a Jack and Co logo on it. They're taping these all over the store. Um, and then they're going to just put those in a stack, rubber band them and send them with all the money to the family when it's over. And I was like, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, but you know, they were selling some of, um, I think they were selling coffee cups that had their logo on it. I kind of wish I would have bought one. I bought one from another store kind of like that called urbanista, but, um, yeah, anyway, those are just a couple ones that stand out to me, but Al, I, I know you run into places like this all the time. You know, I do. And, and especially down here in, in, in Cajun country, um, you know, uh, I got to tell you, the one that one of the ones that comes out to mind is the one that's in the current edition of Max Magazine, High um, Handy Stop Marketing Cafe. Mm-hmm. This guy, 
I mean, I, he had a great career in healthcare, and my background's healthcare. And so Bradley Cruz, great career in healthcare, but his dad owned a store in New Orleans called ha- the Handy Stop. And uh, he always wanted to own a store, which is, you know, amazing. And he opens up the store. And of course, everything's locally sourced. The meat, the flowers, um, the hot sauce, everything is made right here uh, around Cajun country. And it's, it's all great stuff. And he, he's got some, he's got a really cool logo. He's one of these guys, Frank, Mark, you've seen these men. They have a mustache that sort of defines them. You know, <laughs> it's like a Tom Selleck kind of thing. You know, it's like with, you know, the mustache could just walk away and have its own career. And Bradley's got one of those mustaches. And so he's got this really cool logo and he's got a few things in there, you know, these selling, I think it's just going to grow. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the kind of place it's, it's small. It's by no means even close to, uh, uh, you know, to, to Stuckey's or something like that, but it's cool. There's a good feel there. Everything's fresh. Everything's healthy. Oh, Frank. You're in a health. This there's no salt in this store. When you order a meal, you sit at a table. There's no salt. You know, I'm like about eighty percent salt right now. You know, I mean, there's no salt in this store. So he's very much in a health. So, and I think it's the kind of thing it carries over. And um, you know, I, it, it's one of these places. You know, he I, I like that he's doing a little merch because he, some of the larger chains here in Louisiana, uh, you really don't get any merch from there. But you know, I can see right behind you, Frank. Uh, there are those inconvenience pillows that look super comfy, you know, and, and, and people love this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I like when people do that. I think it helps, you know, when you're out there, people are going to recognize you. And, uh, and I, I love locally sourced stuff because I think that's put you in a whole different category. I agree. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about, I mean, what makes some of the convenience stores unique. But one thing I would be remiss if I didn't ask is, um, Obviously, Mark, you guys at Edge Petrol focus on pricing a lot, and we get a lot of small and mid-sized folks who listen to this podcast um, and always appreciate some practical advice. So some, something we always try to ask our guests is like, all right, um, given your background and what you specialize in, what are some of the mistakes that you see being made out there? Or maybe another way of asking that is, what do you wish everyone understood that maybe they don't right now? Yeah, I, I think we, we've touched on it a little bit earlier, right, that, that the market's changing and that I guess doing the same thing. I think the biggest mistake at the moment that a retailer can make is is doing the same thing, you know. Um, and I think that I, I think that's kind of what this this entire podcast, like not just this one, but your, you know, the ones you, you guys run are, it is really about. It's like how can I build a differentiator, right? And and that doesn't just relate to in the store, but it also comes to the price on, on your pole sign as well. And and the pole sign and, and the store are that you know you, you you may not have a store of course, but the, the they're so intertwined and and linked these days. Um, and that that NAC survey, the fifty two percent, you know, dropping from seventy two percent, tells even in the UK tells a massive story because we've seen it here as well. Um, and the the independent re- retailer in the UK has definitely realised that they can't try and compete with the big super you know the supermarket chains on price. You know, like they, they, don't get me wrong, they're still marking off them, but like they, they know they're not going to beat them. And I, I think the number one mistake, I guess, in the states, the number one error that we come across would be, I'm going to try and beat beat the Wawa. 
right? I'm going to try and beat the, um, and I, I, I can't talk for, for Wild Wild's pricing strategy now, but I know certainly when, when I was over in, in the US, they were definitely one of the cheaper ones. And I know that Cumberland Farms and Turkey Hill, they, 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 were, they were known to be pretty aggressive. And I'm, my knowledge is very much round up, up on the East, East Coast. So I'm not, uh, I'm not as well-traveled as, as, as the both of you. But, you know, there are some, you know, we talk to retailers that are really, they're in aggressive markets. And I'm like, wow, who's, who's pushing you down? I mean, you got to, have you got a speedway down the street? And they're like, Hey, no, it's this, this independent guy. And he, he wants to be the cheapest and, and he's, he's, you know, he's bringing the whole market down. Like, Hey, we, we were on X margin and, you know, we were doing, which we needed because volumes are so, so, you know, so damn low. Right. Um, and he's going, Hey, I've got all this extra margin because the fuel price is low. I'm going to use that to try and drive some volume on my stations in a market that has no volume right and they're just dropping it down and and it's killing the market it's killing everyone and that and that also kills everyone for reinvestment you know it kills everyone from being able to do other things you know that that's what that that fuel profit should go towards and i think it's that combination it's understanding the you know how we touched it earlier how the site as a whole you know what is the best way to run the station you know let's not let's stop looking at I've been doing it this way for for 30 40 years and it, and I've run a good business and I'm I'm wealthy. You know that that doesn't mean that it's it's the right way of doing it. Um and it doesn't mean it's the best you can get out of your station. Um and I, and I think that that for me would be the number one kind of message I guess that I would, I'd give is like what else could you do? Like you know what you know what what would be if you were going to change one thing about your station what would it be and why? Let's start with that. You know? Yeah, I think that's good advice. It's it's like, Al, something we've talked about a lot too. It's like, you don't have to be the best at everything, but it's like sometimes when you're the best at one thing, that can be enough of a differentiator in and of itself. Like having the best restrooms. I I mean, surely there's got to be room for someone to just throw up a sign in some of these markets and say, we have the county's cleanest restroom or say rated the best restroom in the state. Well, maybe you haven't technically been rated the best restroom in the state. Maybe it's a, some, someone on Google Maps said you're the best restroom in the state, but it's like, you know, do something. Um, it's, it's like, I was saying back to this article too, um, Bloomberg had a great article it's worth reading called The Aging of Abercrombie and Fitch. And, you know, I grew up at a time where that was like the hottest clothes for, you know, when I was a teenager, like everyone had to wear that stuff. And it was so silly. I mean, you remember how it was like the mall would smell like their cologne fierce because <laughs> they would just saturate. I mean, oh, it's like they dumped gallons of that stuff on the floor and it just spread into the entire mall and infected everything. It was just kind of disgusting. But, um, you know, there's a Michael Jeffries, their CEO at the time was um, quite an eclectic person, to say the least. And I remember reading uh, this article mentions this too, that when he would go in stores, he'd visit stores a lot and wouldn't necessarily be looking at P&L. He, ha- he had a style guide that detailed everything down to what you're allowed to say when a customer walks in to the number of buttons that should be buttoned on a blouse on a hanger and how it should hang on a hanger. And that's the kind of things that he would look at because he knew like what they're selling was an image and they had to be really good at doing that. And for all their faults, f- while they were relevant, they were incredibly good at that. And it's like they just perfected that so well and it worked. Um, and it, it's just like, I mean, it could be something as simple as like being absolutely obsessively relentless about having the cleanest restroom with no exceptions and just not failing at that. I mean, people will remember that when you get it right. You know, Frank, you're so right. And, and I love the, you know, being good at one thing. 
uh, I don't know if you remember, I can't if we stopped at this place, Frank, or not, but Mark, there's a place in a little town in Texas. The name of the town is West, and it's a few thousand people. It's not a very large town, but it is on I-35, uh, which runs between Dallas and Houston. And um, there is a little a little shell station there called the Czech Stop. And mm-hmm. the Czech Stop sells a Czechoslovakian pastry called the kolache. I don't know if you, you have those in England or not. Um, but the kolache is basically a pastry filled, a fruit filled pastry. It could be filled with, uh, you know, uh, some kind of cream like uh, Bavarian cream or something like that. So this little place got really good at this. And they sell 104,000 kolaches every seven days. That's 600 kolaches every hour, about. They they bake 24 hours a day. They have about 100 employees. They're a little over 100. And when you go into the store, I've been in there 9 o'clock at night, 10 in the morning. There's always a line down two walls. And people are there for the kolaches. Now, they sell a lot of stuff, sandwiches, things like that. But they do kolaches well. And when I did the story, the manager, who's been there since 83, said, I asked her what makes them so popular. She said, I don't really know. I think we just do them better. And there's other stores in this town that sell kolaches, but not 600 an hour, you know, and, and, and they just got really good at it. There's, uh, I don't, very little marketing. I mean, they, they have a sign uh, going North and going South on I-35 and that's it. You know, people just know about this place. And they stop and buy them. I mean, 600 collages an hour. My God, that's incredible. So, yeah, you can make it if you do one thing really well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we have we have awards. We have an award here at our Four Court Trade. It's called the Four Court Trader Awards. Um, and one of the awards is best. We say, because we're very British and polite, we say best loo. Um, <laughs> uh, best, best, best forecourt Lou. Um, and we've actually we've had a couple of customers who, who have been up for it, who we've been rooting for. And I, I can't remember if someone won it or not. But um, but I mean that's that's a whole category for like the country's national forecourt awards. You know, I mean it is people that is important, right? Facilities like just if oh, yeah. if you just have you know if you just have that great that great loo <laughs> i mean I, I could say toilet no one would understand that great bathroom or restroom whatever you want to call it um it, it you know that's that's that means that if i'm heading in that direction and i've got to go like i'm not i'm not using owl's tree you know i'm using <laughs> I, you know what i mean like yeah. i i would actually pull in and i'll stop and i'll park up and i'll use your restroom and hey it might you you know i mean there's there was someone i was talking to yesterday who who might be charging for for for, for um use of of their uh, facilities you know if they're clean and they're good you know people people will pay but hey if it's free i'm i'm parked up anyway and i've got to run through your store where you're selling this great food right or you've got this other amazing offering that smells great when i walk in and doesn't smell like abercrombie and finch <laughs> like i did when i was 18 years old right and frank did it too apparently right yeah. <laughs> um, i think we all did at that age <laughs> yeah um it, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think I've still got all the shirts, to be honest. In, in, uh, in my cupboard. <laughs> they they were high quality clothes. shirts. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, they, they, they were lasted. made well. They lasted. Yeah, they they were made well. They just don't really look like they were made in this century. That's kind of the problem. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's that's gonna keep me. You know, that's gonna take me to to another purchase, right? Um, yeah. And I, I think I think that's the key. If you do one thing, you know, really well, and you do a few other things good you know a few things good then 
that you know and it's something we try and say to our customers like fuel is is i mean it's the, the price of the fuel is of course it's important right but you've already in the you know take take the uk's example you've already lost 40 percent of your customers to the supermarkets anyway right that they're, they're gone you're not winning someone back off off of asda sainsbury's morrison's and, and tesco's there's very few people who will switch between that and a shell right you know it's it's the the reality is you're competing with other independents and if you're not doing something different why am i driving an extra couple of miles to your store you know why am i going out my way why am i pulling off the highway to go to your store if i don't care that much about price i'll just take the nearest location whereas i mean i've, I've got two stations near me one of them's a, a euro garage store and the other one's a bp we, we, we still have oil company owned stores here um in the uk and that's actually growing because obviously the, the margin has been pushed further to retail on the fuel. Um, and they've got a collaboration with a very British brand called Marks and Spencers. Uh, so I don't know, I don't know if you guys know them or have heard of them. If you've ever come to the UK, you would have. Um, but they're kind of the the top supermarket brand and they're they're, they're very it's expensive, it's very middle class kind of thing. But they've they've managed to BP and managed to do this partnership with Marks and Spencers that um, you know, I my local store my local BP store, I can go and pick up like really nice dinner for my, you know, like, like supermarket food, but you know, and they're not, that's not going and cooking and it's something special. I can't even remember what you called those things out, um, that are out in, in, in West, uh, yes, kolaches, yes, yeah. they're, they're not making kolaches, right. But they've got across their 300 company owned stores here. They've got, they've got Mark Spencer's. Hey, that's my favorite supermarket, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. so I, I'm going there and I'm, I'm doing two or three days convenience shopping right? When I'm getting my fuel and I could go up to the Euro garages and I, I couldn't tell you which one was more expensive, which one was cheaper. Uh, I could not tell you, but what I do know is the Euro garages does not have a mark suspenses on it. Right. And therefore I know that I'm going to go there and my, my spend, I'll fill my tank, but my spend in store will be between 50 and 70 pounds. Right. So like 80, 90 bucks. And it, it's, it's an incredible collaboration. I know we're talking on a large scale, but it's it's just talking it's just thinking about like whoever put that deal together very smart right mm. so whoever did that at bp deserves a, a strong pat on the back i think because it, it it's it's literally blown away the competition on the convenience side and i think that's what that's what you got to do how can i how can i you know if i'm a single let's just take a single store i'm going to have four or five you know stores around me there's probably going to be one big chain maybe two right maybe even three and another independent why, what is it that's going to make people come to my store over them? Because if I try and use my fuel price, I'm probably not going to win, right? So the, I think that's where you guys do great on this podcast, right? And, and the ones that I've listened to before is just, you know, this, this, is, this is coming up with concepts, thinking about ideas. Like that's, 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 what I, that's why I like listening to, you know, to, to these because it really, it really does give us stuff that we can pass to retailers here in the UK who are trying to like do something different, right? Um, and the best ones are. So yeah, I love, I love to see it. I love to see something a little bit different, um, you know, wh wherever I'm shopping, right? Um, which I don't get to do anymore because we're, we've all been stuck at home for three months. But, uh, you know, the first thing I'm going to do when I go out is go and get some food. So, yeah, <laughs> Al, Al, you, you know a little bit about that, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm probably in stores shooting TV three or four times a week with my other job. And, um, yeah, I eat all the time. I was eating crawfish 
at seven o'clock yesterday morning, boil crawfish, drinking Bloody Marys. Um, <laughs> it's my job. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I'm out finding food. But you know, what's interesting is like, you know, I was stuck at home for a while because we were quarantined and, and man, you go out there and like the, the sit down restaurants were, were closed and, and not doing much, but boy, I got to tell you, the C store food was still there and places like bourbon street deli that Frank mentioned, you know, they were still rocking great food. And, you know, I just find them dependable at least around here for a great experience, great quality food, fresh food, out of the box food. I mean, I don't know if you guys eat alligator in England, uh, but we got a C store here that's doing an alligator burger, you know, do we do we alligators in England? We, we do not eat alligators in England. Well, well, you know <laughs> tell you now. <laughs> I'll tell you what's interesting, Mark is alligators will, will eat you. But what we do in, um, in Louisiana, we eat them first. And are they shocked, man? Oh my God, they're shocked and and delicious too. By the way, yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I'd, I'd eat I'd eat alligator. We just don't have any here. <laughs> it's, well, listen, it's it's, it's pretty hard to eat. Call me. I'm, I'm gonna get you some alligator. You'll have a great time. Hey, I I haven't had um uh it's it's crayfish, right? Crawfish, uh, yes, yes. Crawfish, crawfish. I've never had that. Oh my God, you got to come here. I had those yesterday morning. Yeah, no, I know. Love crawfish. I I, I just haven't spent, um, you know, I've kind of gone from Florida to, to Houston. I've never come into Louisiana and I'm <gasps> desperate to head. I'm desperate. I, I listen, if I, if I had managed to move over to the States last year, like I'd have been visiting all these places and eating all of the local dishes, like, you know, but I've, I've never had that. And the three I, of I us hear need it's to amazing. Get together. The three of us need to get together and eat crawfish. And uh, I, I just ate, I just ate, <laughs> you know, Oh my God, we, we should do that. Uh, well, well, hey, it'll be interesting to see what happens with events here uh, coming up. But whether it's this year or next year, <laughs> we need to look at some more options for some road trips to the NAC show. Because oh my God, yeah. nothing nothing beats uh, driving for five five to six to seven days and only eating at the best convenience stores along the way. Because no matter how well you think you can plan that route, those routes out, and I mean, we plan them pretty extensively we always find stuff that doesn't exist on google maps at or is hard to find on there at least or doesn't have a facebook page or no one knows about except for people in a 20 mile radius like there's some hidden gems out there that you just come across and you only discover when you're out driving uh it's it's always a good time and frank we'll both be vaccinated we can just do anything then at least i hope yeah you know that's where i'm gonna draw the line and i'm just like hey all right done the vaccination thing. I've done my part. Uh, I've <laughs> taken all the precautions I can do. Like at this point, I don't know what else can be asked of me. I mean, God knows we've been super responsible this past year. Um, you know, you, I live with a spouse who's high risk, so you pretty quickly determine what your risk tolerance is and you make decisions about what you will and won't do. But, um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's, there's uh there's an end in sight and it's, 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 it's me really, too. it's really exciting. So, who knows? We'll see. We'll see what what happens. Um, but well, with that said, Mark, thanks for coming on this podcast. This this was a fun conversation, and I agree. What? We need to we need to find a time where we can eat some crawfish or some alligator or something in a convenience store down in the American South. Oh man, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good stuff. Speaking from it experience, Frank's eating some great. I was very surprised at what Frank ate because he's a very healthy eater. And there's one place. Uh, I can't remember whether it's Bourbon Street Deli or the place up in Eunice that uh, still remember you. And uh, we're, we're so impressed that you ate the boudin. 
I mean, I'll try anything once. Uh, I'm sure my diet's been a little less healthy during this whole pandemic, but I think that's uh, on brand for the past year. So, uh, but it hasn't, it hasn't been that bad. So that's good. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm always willing to try something once. Doesn't mean I'm going to eat it again. And I'm <laughs> sure a couple of those stations I visited down there, um, I think, God, what was that one we went to? Um, College Junction Mud Bugs. Oh, I'm pretty yeah, sure that yeah. food took a year off my life, but I'm also convinced it was worth it. It had no business tasting that good. Oh, that's a great place. That's a great place. And that's that's a place that does, you know, a lot of things really well, Mark. I mean, they barbecue well. They, they do Cajun well. Um, you know, I, I love it when you find a, a place that hits all the marks, you know, and then um, – and then those places that do one thing really well, like kolaches. I mean, 104,000 kolaches every seven days. Insane. Well, that's with that said, we need to get out great. to Northern Ireland, too, at some point, because I'm pretty sure like that's like the epicenter for convenience store food right now, or it sure seems like it. Um, they're doing some amazing things out there. With yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I, Ireland as a whole, you know, it's just is is it's a different experience. It's a different experience. I, I, I Ireland kind of north and south you know that it, it, it it's sort of it, weird because it's different currency but they kind of operate as one market because there's no border there right um so they do a lot of the same things and like yeah i mean it's it, there's some great great stores over there i mean I, I think about like just the um yeah i guess i guess as well like the way that like something like supermax i think would be worth mentioning right that kind of kind of brings everything into into a store it's nice it's clean it's got it's got your brands but then they've got the um you know kind of their own offerings and their own kind of buffet that you can choose from and and, and stuff like that so yeah there's there's definitely some some great stuff i mean you're not you, you've you've definitely had some of these conversations before about ireland and like they, it, it does crop up quite a bit um as a uh, I guess a benchmark, right, uh, for for what retailers should look for, and and they're all clean, they're but they're all big. But I guess they benefit from being a, a small country with lots of space, and I guess the land is probably a little bit cheaper. I I, I don't know, I don't know what it is that makes them uh, do do that so well. Yeah, some of the stores I've seen, it feels almost like it's like pret inside a convenience store, and uh, you know, it's like that kind of food, which I I love pret. I wish we had them in Iowa, so I. But um, I don't know. I kind of get that vibe. It's like a higher end, fast, casual almost. Or um, I don't know. You just see a lot of that in some of the stores. I, I was thinking like more in Centra. That's that's one that stands out to me. Like I've been wanting to go there for for a while, and um, I would love to check that store out. But but with that said, well, I think we're kind of hitting the end of the podcast. But seriously, thanks for coming on and joining us. We've been wanting to have this conversation for a while, and I mean. Gosh, we could talk all day about interesting convenience stores and who does the best restroom or loo and who's got like the most interesting food service right now. Or God knows we could probably talk for an hour or two about Bucky's alone. <laughs> so it's, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, man, that place is a, uh, it's straight up. It's a retail theme park. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> I could talk, I could yeah. talk about the food that I ate when I went to Bucky's for two hours. So I mean, I, I, and all the stuff I bought as well. Well, to end, I'll leave everyone with a funny story. On one of the road trips Al and I did to the NAC show, I think we drove for seven days and 2,500 miles or something yeah, like exactly, that. exactly, exactly. Went through six yeah. states, snaking all over the, the American Southwest. And uh, we went went in a Bucky's, and 
coming into this, I know Al liked the food, but there was something about, I think you focus so much on single store guys that you're like, I don't want to go to a corporate location or something like that. And thinking, you know, they're, they're just not going to be like the the good single store guys. And we went in and I don't, I think someone didn't say hello to you when you walked through the door and you're, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, look, I told you they didn't greet me. And I'm like, Al, have you seen how many people are here? That's all they do if they're going to greet you. They'd have to just be a dedicated greeter. There's so many people at this store. And I'm like, no, no, no. Come over here with me. So I take him to the beef jerky counter and because I knew exactly what was going to happen, and it did. A person comes up, hey, how's it going, guys? And I'm like, well, you know, we're just thinking about trying some beef jerky, and we don't really know what to get. What's your favorite? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me tell you. Jumps into this this huge discussion about, well, do you like spicy? Do you like sweet? What are you looking for? And then another employee comes up and is like, hey, no, don't listen to him and what he says. I know the best <laughs> one and you need to try this. And I look over at Al and I said, I told you, I told you their customer service is great. It's yeah, like, they were great. They're, they're phenomenal. They're so good at what they do over there and they hire great people. Now, what, they, what they, they, go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to, they shout when they get the new beef in the new hot beef, they like, I can't remember what they shout, but they, they <laughs> slam it down. They're like fresh hot beef. And everyone like, you know, the whole store's like cheering and then <laughs> they start cutting it out. Like that, that was a cool experience to see. I went in there one time and they had a guy in a beaver costume walking around and I couldn't believe it. I went up and got a selfie with it and I had my mirrorless camera with me too. So I gave it to an employee and she took a photo of me with that. And I'm like, like, where else do you see that? You walk in a store on like a random Saturday and they got a mascot walking around talking to kids. <laughs> I, love that I just don't even know what to say about it. It's so fun. You know what I loved about Bucky's though, is I was amazed at the consistency because I got, you remember Frank, I was, I was getting the uh, chicken Caesar wrap and it's great. I love the chicken season wrap, Caesar wrap. And it was so consistent everywhere. And I sat there and watched them make it at every store. And I asked one lady, I said, how do you do this? Because you're making it here. You know, a few hours ago, I had it somewhere else. And there's just a lot of training. And I, and I got to tell you, I think to, to have something that's put together, assembled by human beings in different stores and to get it the same I would love to know how they how they train these people to do it so consistently with the same flavor and everything. That, that's that's amazing. Yeah, they're good at what they do. But well, when whenever you can get over here, we either need to hit a Bucky's or we need to hit some stores in the, in the American South and get some Boudin or some Alpha oh yeah or something. That's that's something we're gonna have to do. But but yeah. Mark, thanks again for joining us. This Thank is a you, fun Mark. conversation. And to anyone listening, uh, please check out the podcast uh, episode page on inconveniencepodcast.com because I'm going to link to a couple other things. Uh, the webinars I mentioned earlier, if you want to get more into fuel pricing, some of the stores that we've mentioned. Uh, we put a lot of resources on our podcast pages, so make sure to check them out. Uh, we always want to provide good good stuff to check out. But with that said, Absolutely. Mark, thanks, thanks again. Yeah, Thanks, thanks for being, being here, Mark. Appreciate you so much. Likewise. Thank you.